In the 1920s, General Secretary Joseph Stalin of the Soviet Union ordered the purge of all Bibles and believers in Russia. Thousands of Bibles were taken and believers were sent to prison where many died for being enemies of the state. Many years after, someone mentioned that they knew a warehouse existed outside of town where these Bibles had been stored since Stalin's time. A truck was dispatched and several Russians were sent to help load these Bibles. One helper was a young man, a skeptical, hostile, agnostic university student who came only for the day's wage. As they loaded the Bibles, one man noticed that the student had disappeared. Finally, they found him in the corner of the warehouse weeping. He had slipped away, hoping to quietly take a Bible for himself. What he found pierced him deeply. The inside page of the Bible he picked up had the handwritten signature of his own grandmother. It was her own personal Bible. Out of the thousands of Bibles still left in that warehouse, he stole that one that belonged to his grandmother, a woman persecuted for her faith all her life. Can you imagine what are the chances that a young man would find the Bible that belongs to his grandmother that was purged in the 1920s? Is it merely a coincidence? Or was he just at the right place and at the right time? According to the Lexham Survey of Theology, providence is the governing power of God that oversees His creation and works out His plans for it. What this means is that after creating the world, God continues to interact with His creation and govern it. He did not just wind it up and let it go. He continues to be intimately involved with His creation. The word providence is related to the word provision as well. God exerts His providence by offering provisions for His people. He sovereignly rules over the earth as He works out His plans. Today, we will be discovering three biblical principles relating to God's providence as we look at the life of Ruth and Naomi. If you have your Bibles with you, I would like you to turn to Ruth chapter 2 in the Old Testament. While you are turning to the pages of Ruth chapter 2, let me give you a background or what happened previously in Ruth chapter 1. In Ruth chapter 1, we are introduced to the family of Elimelech, Naomi and their sons, Malon and Kilion. This family moved to Moab from Bethlehem because of the famine in the land. Elimelech dies and their two sons married Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. Malon and Kilion also died after several years, and Naomi gets ready to go back to Bethlehem. She tried to encourage Orpah and Ruth to return to their own people. Orpah returns, but Ruth insisted that she will stay with Naomi. Naomi and Ruth both arrive at Bethlehem during the start of the barley harvest. And this is where we continue with our passage today. Let us begin by reading verses 1 to 3. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. 
The second chapter of the book of Ruth opens with the introduction of Boaz by the narrator of the book as a relative of Elimelech. Notice how the narrator introduces Boaz with the description, a man of great wealth. At this point in the narrative, this statement seems positive, but we are not told exactly how this is going to play out to help Naomi and Ruth. Then we jump into the conversation of Ruth and Naomi, where Ruth asks permission from Naomi to allow her to go to the field and glean heads of grain. These two poor women had a lot of need at this point because they are both widows. As we recalled in chapter 1, they just traveled from Moab to Bethlehem. They might have been very hungry and not have eaten for days already. Ruth takes initiative and offers to go to the field and glean. To glean means to pick up, gather, collect gradually, and bit by bit. But in this context, what Ruth will do is to gather leftover grains after the reapers during the time of harvest. That is why she mentions that she intends to seek permission before she starts to glean. She would only glean after someone in whose sight she will find favor in. The phrase suggests that Ruth will not glean without requesting any permission from some authority. The Leverett Law expressly allowed the poor and foreigners, which Ruth is both, the right to glean in the fields by restricting landowners from scraping out every possible grain in their harvest. The edges were for the hungry and poor, as Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 to 10 writes, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Not only that, but God also commanded His people that they protect widows and orphans. In Exodus chapter 22, verses 22 to 23, which states that, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way, and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry. But of course, not all the owners of the field were always cooperative. Some might not follow the law and would want to take all the grains of the harvest all to themselves for their profit. The success of Ruth will depend upon the goodwill of the owner or the reapers of the field. And a hard day's work under the hot sun will produce only a small amount of grain for those who glean. We do not know why Naomi did not go with Ruth. She may have been too tired from the journey as she would have been older than Ruth. We are not sure, but what we know is that she approves of Ruth going to the field. Ruth left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. We can assume here that Ruth already got permission from someone in the field that she started gleaning already. By chance, Ruth happened to find herself gleaning in the field that belongs to Boaz. Now, what are the chances that Ruth happened to be in the field that Boaz owns? The author used the word happened, which means like a roll of dice or chance. Will this undermine the sovereignty of God? Not at all. As Proverbs 16.33 writes, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. This shows that everything is in God's hands and under His sovereign control, even the things that seem to be by chance. Let's continue on with verses 4 to 7 and see what happens next. 
Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant, who was in charge of the reapers, answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Boaz came from Bethlehem to see how the work of the reapers was going in the field. The greeting that he says to the reapers, The Lord be with you, is a common Israelite greeting. It also speaks the kind of faith Boaz has. His faith was not a private affair. He took his faith into the workplace with him. Like any responsible owner or steward, Boaz notices Ruth and asks the servant who was in charge of the reapers or the foreman in the field, who is this young woman? Something caught the eye of Boaz that gave him the reason to ask the foreman about Ruth. The question of Boaz could possibly be interpreted as Boaz inquiring which family or clan Ruth belongs to. The short question of Boaz drew a long and detailed answer from his servant. The answer of the foreman repeats the information the narrator already mentioned from the first chapter of Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite and that she came back with Naomi from Moab. The foreman of Boaz continued and reported to Boaz an earlier conversation he had with Ruth when she asked him if she could glean after the reapers. He further mentions to Boaz that Ruth is working hard in gleaning the whole day almost without rest. She just took a little time to rest in the house. Let's continue on with verses 8 to 9. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. The narrative now shifts the focus to the encounter of Boaz and Ruth. Notice how Boaz jumped into the conversation with Ruth. He knew who she was, and he knew how vulnerable she was. He didn't sit back and wait. He didn't let things play out before he acted. He took the initiative to help. He then showed his concern for Ruth, encourage her with two things. First is to not go to the other fields to glean, and second is to remain with his female servants and work beside them. Despite their ethnic differences, Boaz wants to make sure that she knows he will protect and take care of her. To show further proof of his concern for Ruth, Boaz gave Ruth protection by ordering his men not to touch or harm her in any other way. Boaz also provided for Ruth to drink from the vessels that the young men had filled for their use, which is not usually permitted to gleaners in the field. Boaz extends his kindness to Ruth by giving her care and protection. Let's see Ruth's reaction in verses 10 to 13. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, 
it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Ruth is humbled by the kindness of Boaz. Overwhelmed by the generosity of him, she fell on her face, bowing down to the ground. Ruth probably dropped first to her knees, then bowed forward until her forehead touched the ground. It was then accompanied by verbal expression and amazement of Boaz have been so gracious to her and even take notice of her since she is a foreigner. Ruth, who is obviously self-conscious about her foreigner status, cannot believe the kindness and generosity of Boaz to the fact that she is a Moabitess. Ruth is very different from most people today. We expect kindness from others and are astonished and resentful if we don't get the treatment we think we deserve. There is a sense of entitlement that we deserve more than what we already receive. Entitled people have a hard time saying thank you, but it's easy for them to grumble. Are we like that sometimes in our relationship with God? When we prayed hard for something that we need or we want, and God did not give everything fully, do we focus more what is lacking or focus more on what God had provided? Boaz then informed Ruth that he knew and heard about her kindness and loyalty towards Naomi, leaving her own people and land to come and live with the people she had not previously known. Ruth's family loyalty towards Naomi impressed Boaz. The author reminds us of the events transpired in the first chapter with the chronological order of events with the answer of Boaz to Ruth. Boaz then pronounced a blessing on Ruth not only for her sacrificial loyalty to Naomi, but especially for her acceptance of the God of Israel since the God, small g, of the Moabites is Chemosh. When Boaz mentions to Ruth that she came to take refuge under the wings of the Lord, we could picture it as a tiny defenseless bird snuggling around the wings of its mother for protection. It symbolizes God as a protector, as David writes in Psalm 91.4, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. God's protection is often portrayed as taking refuge under his wings. Ruth then cited two reasons of her gratitude towards Boaz, which are first, Boaz comforted her, and secondly, Boaz has spoken kindly to her even though she is a foreigner. Through this, we can see our first biblical principle. Biblical principle number one, God's providence reflects His sovereignty. God's providence reflects His sovereignty. Brothers and sisters, do you see God sovereignly orchestrating this entire ordeal so far? Ruth has happened to go to the certain field that belongs to Naomi's relative. Boaz happened to take notice of Ruth and she happened to find favor in him, even though many in Israel would have shunned or rejected her because she is from Moab. I want to remind us today, the same God sovereignly orchestrating things, then is the same God sovereignly orchestrating things in our world today. 
God's providence is seen throughout each of our lives. Sometimes we are in a season like Naomi had in the first chapter. Sometimes life is difficult. In the difficult times, we may think God doesn't even seem to be present, much less be sovereign and providential. But let us trust the Lord that He is always sovereignly working. We know that the lives of His children, He is working out everything for their good. As Apostle Paul writes in his epistle in Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Note the phrase, all things, not just some things. God takes everything in our lives and uses it for good. May we see the same in our lives. God is never absent. He is always there with us to help in every step of the way. He walks with us and provides for us and even strengthens us. As we just finished our Catalyst High School camp last week, we experienced firsthand God's providence and sovereignty during one of the usual activities we had in camp, which is the bonfire night. The bonfire night was scheduled to be on the first night of the camp, but since it was raining hard during the first night, we had to switch the schedule of the bonfire night to the second night, hoping that the weather the next day would be clearer already. The second night came, and we are in the middle of our theme message after dinner. And it started to drizzle, and the rain started to pour hard again. As the Catalyst core team was scrambling around, since we do not have any other backup activity that we can swap again with the bonfire night, we remembered that we happened to have brought with us two bonfire props from the recently concluded VBS decorations from two classes that was handed down to us to be used for our stage decor. In the first place, we were not supposed to have it brought it already since the truck for the advanced team was so full that some of the VBS decorations we got, like some bulky rocks, was not, be, was not able to be loaded in the truck. But since the bonfire was made of flat cardboard, base, and a small box of plugs only, it was placed in between the small spaces so the stuff that was loaded will be intact and not move around while being transported. Second, when we arrived at the venue for the setup of the stage and equipment during the advanced team, we decided not to use the bonfire props we brought as the stage is already full and it's, it's not matching with the feels of the stage. We could have asked the staff of the venue to have it disposed after we set up the day before the camp. But little did we know that we would be needing it for another purpose. That night, we had a pseudo-bonfire night at the air-conditioned session hall, combining the two bonfire props we got from the VBS decor and lighting it up with the two power lights we had at the back. A starry night background at the LED screen on stage, and of course, we bonded over some sausages, chips, and drinks. If we could ask the high school students who attended the camp, the, that bonfire night may be in their top five most memorable camp experiences. Sometimes when all the options or the plans we have have been stripped away from us, it is only then we can see the handprint of God's providence and sovereignty over all things and situations. As we reflect on our lives, when was the last time God reflected His sovereignty through His providence? Whether in the big or small things in life, my encouragement for us is to continue to trust in the Lord and His sovereignty that He will be the one to provide and protect us. Let us move on in verses 14 to 17. 
Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her. And she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Also, let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her, leaving it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until the evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was an ephah of barley. The narrative shifts the setting into mealtime as Boaz and his workers pause for a while to eat at noon. He invited Ruth to eat lunch with them and his workers. They ate bread that, that is dipped in vinegar together with roasted grains. The possession of Ruth as she sat beside the reapers indicates that she is accepted in the circle of Boaz. The narrator emphasizes more the provision of Boaz for Ruth in the last part of verse 14 as the narrator mentions that Ruth ate until she was satisfied and she even had some leftovers. After eating lunch with Boaz and his workers, Ruth went back to continue gleaning in the field. Boaz ordered his reapers to let Ruth glean among the sheaves and they are not to humiliate or shame her. Boaz also instructed his workers to intentionally pull out some of the stalks from the bundles and leave it for her to glean. The instructions of Boaz to his workers were generous beyond the requirements of the law that allowed gleaners in the fields only after the reapers had finished their work to collect what is left. The verse closes the scene in the field. Ruth gleaned in the field until it was evening already. Ruth beat the grain she had gleaned. The process of beating the grain involves separating the husk from the kernels, which reduces the load to be carried back home. Ruth measured how much she had gleaned for the entire day, and it amounted to an ephah of barley. An ephah of barley would have been weighed around 30 to 50 pounds in our scale today. A large quantity of what Ruth gleaned showed the instructions of Boaz to his reapers really provided for Ruth and the diligence of Ruth to glean. It must not have been the case for an ordinary gleaner to have gleaned so much just as Ruth had for the entire day. Boaz really showed kindness to Ruth by not just providing her with a meal, but also made sure that Ruth would have taken something home to Naomi. Here, we can derive our second biblical principle. Biblical principle number two, God's providence is demonstrated through the kindness of other people. God's providence is demonstrated through the kindness of other people. Paid Forward is a moving, uplifting novel by Catherine Ryan Hyde about a 12-year-old boy named Trevor McKinney. Living in a small California town, he accepts his teacher's challenge to earn extra credit by coming up with a plan to change the world. Trevor's idea was very simple. Do a good deed for three people, and instead of asking them to return the favor, ask them to pay it forward to three others who need help. He envisions a vast movement of kindness and goodwill spreading across the world, and in this quiet, steady masterpiece with an incandescent ending, Trevor's actions change his community forever. A real-life example of paying it forward happened in a Starbucks coffee shop in St. Petersburg, Florida. 
after a woman paid for the drink of someone in the car behind her, customers continued to accept their free drink and pay for the person behind them for the next 11 hours. After a little while, the Starbucks baristas began to tally everyone who paid it forward with a total of 378 cups when it reached 6 p.m. in the evening. If you were there in line or someone paid for your drink before you were able to pay, what will you do? What would be your reaction? Will you do the same to the person behind you? God can use us in both ways to demonstrate His providence. We can be at the receiving end, or we could be the one used by God to course through His providence to others. If we are in the receiving end of God's providence, it is easy for us to be in awe and humbled to receive it. But how about if He will be the one to use us as an instrument to demonstrate it to other people? He will use our time, He will use our money, and He will use our resources. How would we feel about it and what would be our response? I hope our response would also be in awe and humility that God will use us and may we be able to pass the kindness to other people to demonstrate His providence. May we not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but we are to love and serve one another as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 tells us, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. God's ultimate providence for each one of us is personally demonstrated through the life of His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came as a servant to all. He humbled Himself before the sinful world and served men. He even washed the feet of His disciples. Jesus humbled Himself before the Father, even to the point of death on the cross. God provided us with eternal life through His Son that saved us from sin when we accepted Him as our personal Savior. And we also need to be humble and willing to serve the Lord by serving others and showing kindness to those who are in need. Brethren, let me challenge you to demonstrate God's providence by extending kindness to other people. Let's continue on with verses 18 to 21. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. Ruth returned from the field and went back to Bethlehem. Naomi saw how much she had gleaned. Ruth also gave Naomi some of the leftover food she had saved from lunch she had with Boaz and the reapers. This shows the loyalty and care of Ruth to Naomi, which Boaz mentioned and praised her for. Naomi now asked two questions simultaneously to Ruth on where Ruth had gleaned and where she worked. Naomi must have been amazed on what she saw, how much Ruth had gleaned, 
and the leftover food that Ruth has brought home for her. But before Ruth was able to answer her, Naomi excitedly declared a blessing to whoever took notice of Ruth. Ruth then answered Naomi's question and told her whom she had worked, which does not answer the questions of Naomi precisely. Naomi asks where she had worked, but Ruth answers it to whom she had worked and revealing the name of Boaz in the end of her answer. Boaz, who was introduced by the narrator in the first verse of this chapter and later in the narrative to Ruth during her experience in the field, is now revealed to Naomi. After learning the name of Boaz from Ruth, Naomi declared a second blessing on him, but now acknowledging that the Lord is the one who had not stopped showing his kindness and has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi then added that Boaz is a close relative and one of their redeemers. Ruth continued to tell Naomi about the instruction of Boaz to keep her close with his workers until the harvest is finished. Finally, let's take a look at Naomi's response in verses 22 to 23. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with these young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Naomi expressed her approval of Boaz's offer to Ruth that she will go out with the young women in the field of Boaz and not in the, another field for her safety and protection. Then the chapter ends with a summary of what happened in the second chapter. Ruth kept close to the young women of Boaz following the instructions of Naomi. Ruth gleaned not just until the end of the barley harvest, but until the end of the wheat harvest, which would have lasted for about seven weeks, which would be around late April to early June in our calendar today. Lastly, Ruth lived together with her mother-in-law, Naomi, emphasizes the loyalty and commitment of Ruth towards Naomi that started from the first chapter of Ruth. Finally, our third and last biblical principle, Biblical principle number three, God's providence is confirmed by His people. God's providence is confirmed by His people. We see an incredible shift in Naomi's mood at the end of chapter two. We are seeing hope arise in her heart as she discovers her relative Boaz showing favor to both her and Ruth. Her excitement is clearly shown through her explanation and blessing upon Boaz. She knows that the Lord God Yahweh has not forgotten her. Naomi again has hope for the future. She had seen the providence of God gloriously confirmed through his provisions to her and Ruth through the kindness of Boaz. It is truly uplifting when we hear stories or testimonies of other people talking about God's providence and sovereignty that they experience in their lives. His providence and sovereignty are confirmed by His people. And as we look back in our lives, can we recall situations or circumstances that we experience His providence that we can truly confirm His providence in our lives? My encouragement for each one of us is to share our testimony of God's providence in our lives to others. As I close, let me share to you my journey going to the full-time ministry. Back in 2017, this is the time that I was transitioning 
from my corporate job as an investment banker to going into the seminary as a full-time student while doing part-time ministry internship here at our church. I already decided to follow the Lord's calling to be full-time in the ministry, but to be honest, I was kind of worried at the back of my head and tried to control the situation. Being the financial guy that I am, I made a spreadsheet that I saved in my cloud drive. It was a spreadsheet on how I, I am going to adjust my expenses and lifestyle in order to fit within my budget with the difference in income and other benefits that I will be letting go for being full-time in the ministry. I was already playing out all kinds of scenarios in my mind and trying to generate some solutions and adjustments to it. But God showed me His providence and sovereignty. When I started my time in the seminary and ministry here at our church, I had not once opened that spreadsheet which I made before. God provided me with more than what I need through situations and through His people. He demonstrated His providence in my life, and it humbled me as a believer and His servant. Friends, our God never leaves us nor forsakes us. When we go through trials and difficulties in this life, like what happened to Naomi and Ruth, God's providence, sovereignty, and love are always at work in our lives as children of God. I pray that this wonderful story of the handprint of God's providence increases our faith and trust in our Savior. I pray that you know that He is there every step of the way. Brothers and sisters, as we live our lives as believers, may we be reminded that, number one, God's providence reflects His sovereignty. Number two, God's providence is demonstrated through the kindness of other people. And number three, God's providence is confirmed by His people. Knowing all these about God's providence, let us put our trust in God's sovereign will in all the aspects of our lives and may our lives be a living testimony of His providence as the Lord used us to reach out to other people to experience God's providence and sovereignty. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we lift up to you uh, our lives today. We pray, Lord, that uh, as we live out our lives, Lord, may your providence, Lord, may our past experiences, Lord, about your providence, Lord, be shared, Lord, to other people. And if ever that you will be using us, Lord, as uh, your instrument, Lord, of uh, uh, your providence, Lord, to other people, may our response, Lord, be in awe and humility to you. We pray, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for all the things you have done in our lives. And may our lives be um, a living testimony, Lord, of your sovereignty and of your providence. All these things we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Music